It's Friday afternoon, time to celebrate. Oh yes. And it's also time to get your Bible questions answered. It's time for Ask the Preacher with your host, John Freed. It's brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. And here he is, John. Hey, welcome back. And George. Yippee, it is Friday. Welcome back, you beautiful people. It is great to be here again. Yeah. It's great I, to have John back. I'm back in back in the office, back in the studio. Folks, I, I have missed hearing you. Actually, <laughs> you might not have missed hearing me. I have no idea. We never get to hear you <laughs> unless you call in. And uh, I understand over the last month have had uh, quite a bit of callers, been some fantastic uh, shows, fantastic programs. And uh, George, thank you so very much for uh, oh, for being you. here. Thank you. Every Friday. Every Friday, 5.07, I guess, is when we come on the air. And um, anyway, I, I took the uh, little bit of time off in, in February. Thank you for covering, George. Uh, we are doing some work at the uh, the church, and I've just kind of dedicated a lot of extra time towards that to keep that that project going. And um, George, you and I were, were just kind of uh, talking a little bit ago. I, I said to Eric, Eric, by the way, thank you for all your years of uh, being behind the glass there and running the buttons but I uh, said to Eric, and it's a, it's a shame there's nothing exciting going on in the world. Uh, and, you know, laughable. <laughs> what are you talking about? Get, cancer's going to be cured. Yeah. Coronavirus is apparently officially over. And uh, Joe Biden's doing an amazing job and, and job. more to come. It's all these great things are going to happen in the next year. It's fantastic. I, I'm just, I'm delighted. I'm just, uh, that's sarcasm, folks. If you, if you don't know, that's sarcasm. Um, but uh, you know the the uh, it is interesting to me uh, to see the busyness and the craziness and there's always a narrative there's always a scare tactic or a fear factor there's always a calamity there's always a trial there's always a trouble um, and and it's so to speak you know there's an old phrase that says money makes the world go round well I I think that might be changing now I don't know that it's money I think it's I think it's it's trouble which generates money in most cases, right? War is a money machine. Uh, and so you have all these problems and, and, and troubles. And, and, I, and I, I have a concern for, for people in general um, that they become fixated on trouble. They become fixated on problem. Uh, and their life lacks joy. Their life lacks peace. Their, their li- life lacks, I'm going to use a term, Saity. Now, what is saity? Saity is a King James Bible word. Uh, it, life lacks some satisfaction, a calmness, a steady stillness, uh, to where you're not working at the grindstone trying to obtain something all the time, but you actually have inner peace and inner inner calmness. Um, and and I, I have concern for people that with all that's going on in the world, they lack that. They lack mm-hmm. that inner peace. Peace, that satiety, that inner satisfaction to, to say that, you know, with all the ups and with all the downs, God is good. He's faithful to me, and I've given him my life, and I see his hand at work in my life. Uh, many, many, many people lack that. George, uh, a lot of people don't have your phone number. I think you should give it to them, your personal phone number, so that they can ask you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people can go to askthepreacher.com. You can go to askthepreacher.com. You can submit a question there, or you can call into the show live today 
Oh, it's uh, yeah. 863-682-1430 is the phone number. That's 863-682-1430. And we'll mention that phone number a couple times throughout the show in case you didn't catch it. But uh, I think they should call you and ask the simple question, how are you doing? I'm doing great. No, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm, what's, what's your answer? When people ask how I'm doing, yeah. I usually say I'm living the dream. Living the dream, and uh, I don't mean it sarcastically. I mean I'm 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 very blessed and highly favored, and you know I don't I don't have fear. One thing that sticks out, you know, you're talking about that and all the the current events that are going on in our world, and you're right, the media drives fear. It's uh, for lack of of better term, there, there's been a term called fear porn, and it's it's this idea of it draws you in, it captures you, mm. and it's one horrible story after the next, and it Addictive changes the nature. way you think, and it it it's what consumes you, and that's really how the media runs. And you know, Revelation twenty one eight is a pretty interesting verse because it says, "But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns forever." And ever, that is the second death. The first thing mentioned there is the fearful. Yeah. And I think that's pretty fro- profound because uh, we know, and we, we've kind of been talking about this over the last uh, couple of weeks, the last couple of shows, is uh, what is love? How do we love people? And the Bible tells us very clearly that perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're fearful, you're lacking love and, and you're lacking perfect love. Uh, and we've, we've talked about what is love and Love is laying down your life for a friend. Love is, according to Scripture, uh, keeping the commandments of God and and faithfully serving out uh, His ordinances. And so I think if we are focused on following His commands and trusting Him and even going as far as laying down our lives for our our friends, having that, uh, I don't want to call it desire, but that that moral ground to stand on. It's okay if I lay down and sacrifice everything I have because my kingdom is, is part of his kingdom, which is coming. Uh, it, it gets rid of all that fear. It gets rid of all these concerns because uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, as uh, Scripture tells us. So, uh, yeah, I, I am living the dream. I, I'm loving it. <laughs> well, I, I love that because in the, in the end, um, it's, to, it's to look at life and realize that that I, I have satisfaction. And it's only found in Christ. It's, that kind of satisfaction is only found in Christ. Um, you know, you have probably been, I have probably, I have been in the, uh, in, in the what, what do they call it, the rat race. Uh, now, you know, I, I'm not a, a billionaire tycoon or, or whatever, but everybody can get involved in the rat race where you're trying to obtain you're you're trying you're working your fingers to a, to the bone trying to get something that God has available for you. It's in the book of James. James says this is why wars come because people fight to try to obtain something that they could have just gone to God and asked him for. Now he may not have given you that because you asked for it to to receive it upon your your own lust. But the understanding is is that true satisfaction uh, comes from Christ and Christ alone. True yeah. satisfaction comes from him and, and him alone. If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. Mm-hmm. But if you'll lose your life for his sake, you will find it unto eternal life. 
It's the only way to find that that satisfaction is in Jesus. I want to mention the phone number one more time before we go on these uh, on this two minute two and a half minute break. Six eight two fourteen thirty area code eight six three six eight two fourteen thirty. Call in today. Give us a question or or a comment or uh, just tell George how how wonderful he is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, call in. Say that. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Getting your Bible questions answered, that's what these two guys are here for. Ask the Preacher with John Freed and George Block. Now, let's get back to more Ask the Preacher. Hey, uh, your name's officially in the introduction. How about that? I like it. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, the phone number to call in, 863-682-1430. We've had some feedback. People have told us, oh, you guys say that number way too fast. I don't oh, have time sorry. to yeah, me too. to, to yeah. type it in. It's 863-682-1430. And you can ask a question about anything, anything, uh, whether it's current topic, if it's a biblical concern or question, theology, doctrine, whatever, we'll do our best to answer it. Okay, so George, I have a question for you. Uh, the question will just automatically bounce back to me, and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this for a second. Um, it is my understanding that tomorrow is your anniversary. It is. Congratulations. It is. Thank you. And it's your anniversary is? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So oh. you got married the day before I did, uh, 10 years later, but that's all right. Uh, so my wife and I will be married for 23, and you'll be married? Uh, hold on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's 11. 11. 11. I said okay. 12 earlier. It's 11 years, 11 years to the most wonderful woman in the world, <laughs> You're might smart. I add. She's probably listening. Um, so marriage, let's talk about, man, that's a, for those of you who don't know, that's Princess Bride. Come on, people. Why we are here today. <laughs> Good job, Eric. Well done. <laughs> so, um, marriage in first Corinthians chapter seven, Paul, the apostle Paul gives us some writings concerning marriage and, uh, I'm sorry, second Corinthians chapter seven. Uh, Paul gives us some writings concerning marriage. I, I just want to want to ask you uh, this: relate marriage of natural man and woman, because that is God's design of man, marriage. A man marries a woman, and a woman marries a man. Not all mm-hmm. this other crazy stuff that's going around in the world today. Correct. Yeah. Um, so relate that to the heavenly picture, the spiritual picture of Christ. And his church. Ooh, that is a really good topic that that we could probably talk about for about six hours. Yeah, yeah. And to do it justice, I think we actually have to start all the way back at Adam and Eve, and look at how Adam. And again, you, you guys kind of know the rules if you've been listening. When when I say the Bible says this, I'm not going to read the scripture necessarily because we, we we are condensed on time. But when we look at the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, we have this this guy who is created perfect. He's created without sin, and he uh, sees this woman that God made out of his rib, out of his side, and that right there is an interesting nugget of of study and truth. How how Christ was pierced, and and out of his side being pierced, uh, his new bride is is created um, through what he has done on the Good cross. Connection. Yeah. But then we we see that. Eve is seduced, and the word when the fall of man occurs is that she wasn't tricked. She was seduced to fall for this uh, lie of this nakash, and we talked about that on previous episodes, this this shining one. 
And after her seduction to fall and disobey God's word, Adam, who was supposed to be her covering, he was supposed to be the one responsible to protect her and to guide her, uh, he now has a choice. He has not yet partaken in disobedience to God. He failed, but he didn't directly disobey. But he's perfect. And Adam, throughout the scripture, is a foreshadow of Christ. Mm -hmm. And Adam loves his wife so perfectly Mm -hmm. that he doesn't get seduced. He willingly chooses to take on her punishment. He becomes sin for her. And when God comes later on and says, you know, Adam, where are you? He's the one who says, well, God, I uh, messed up. Of course, he then blames the woman, which was his first (laughs) evidence of his sinful nature appearing. He he relinquished his responsibility, but it's a foreshadow. And, you know, Romans goes on to explain how as sin entered the world through Adam, life comes through Christ. And there's a whole lot more. The church originally started at Sinai. God made a marriage covenant between uh, the children of Israel and Moses, and that's what the whole uh, law is about. It's this marriage covenant. Um, but relating it specifically— well, you, you, you take that, and then you go on into the prophets later on, Malachi and Haggai, mm-hmm. and, and, and those, those prophets, the minor prophets is what they're, what they're called. Um, you, you have this term literally of, of divorce— and God saying, "I divorce you because you've divorced me." I mean, it's you have this marriage right. picture throughout, like you said in in Genesis with creation. You have a marriage picture in the law with Moses and the children of Israel. You have a uh, a breaking of covenant picture in the prophets, mm-hmm. uh, you, and you have a marriage picture in the new te- in the new covenant as well. Well, and, and talking about that divorce, and, and again, this would be a five hour study. Yeah. We got five minutes here, so we're gonna kind of condense it down. Even that divorce, he divorces verbally the northern kingdom, but the southern kingdom he didn't divorce yet. He couldn't because the law is the constitution of his monarchy. Spoiler alert, when Jesus comes back, he will reign a constitutional monarchy because he can't violate his own law. So he had to fulfill the law of divorce to not violate it. And that's why when God became flesh and dwelt among us, Yahweh, God of the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, reveals himself as Yeshua, this carpenter who was born of a virgin. Everything that he went through during his crucifixion, being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, well, that's how much, according to the law, you would buy an unfaithful woman for. Him going before the council, drinking bitter herbs when he was on the cross, allowing his stomach inside to swell, all of that was the law of divorce. Because what he was doing was divorcing the unfaithful ethnic children of Abraham because well they were they were unfaithful to keep the marriage covenant. So Jesus in the flesh, being ethnically Jewish, was fulfilling both the role as a bride, ethnically born of Abraham. He was the unfaithful one, but he was also being our Boaz, which is from the story of Ruth. He was being our kinsman redeemer at the same time because he was both God and man. So everything that he went through on the cross was all to fulfill every requirement for the law of divorce. Because what happens then is he and Romans and Hebrews and and 
Paul in, in many books goes on to explain how those natural, ethnically, physically descendants of Abraham, they were cut off because of their disobedience and unbelief. And now anybody, whether you're ethnically Jewish or ethnically Gentile, can be part of his family, his new bride, which is, uh, you know, in our current modern day ceremonies, we have a, a pastor, a preacher, a priest, a sea captain, somebody of authority preside over the marriage covenant. Sea captain. I guess it still happens that C- way. Could, could happen, right? <laughs> uh, they, they proceed over the marriage ceremony. And so he, as our high priest, proceeds over the ceremony as well. And, and now because of his priesthood, Hebrews chapter uh, 8 and 10 tells us that his priesthood, which is perfect, ushers in this new bride for anybody, regardless of your neth- uh, ethnicity, ethnicity. Uh, we can all be part of his bride, which is called Israel. The, um, the legal and, and lawful, the, and the spiritual legal and lawful uh, fulfillment of the laws of, of divorce enabled for a legal and lawful Remarriage. Remarriage. And man, you want to talk about the greatest love story ever? Think of the depths and the heights and the width of his journey to take this bride who was unfaithful. And that is not just Israel as a whole population or as a nation, but us individually. So unfaithful to him. He's been nothing but good to us. And he goes so far out of his way. To where he would be nailed to a stake, a tree, stripped naked, beaten to his bones, unrecognizable, all the while being mocked, being shamed, being ridiculed, and the whole time thinking, I'm doing this because I love you. I am going through this divorce. I wasn't unfaithful. I'm the only person in human history who wasn't unfaithful. But I'm going to go ahead and and take on that responsibility so it can be legal. You literally have the faithful one taking on the punishment designed for the unfaithful one. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'll be treated as the unfaithful one so that this covenant can come into full conclusion so a new covenant can be established, potentially with the very same people. Yeah. Potentially. It was established in a new and living way. Well, we have run up to the bottom of the hour. It is time for us to take another break. Uh, Please call in if you have a question or a comment that you'd like to give us. The number is 863-682-1430. 863-682-1430. This is John Freed along with George Locke today. This is Ask the Preacher. We'll be back. This is the program where you can have your Bible questions answered. It's Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Here's George and John. Welcome back to the program. Hey, just a reminder, the phone number to call in and have your questions answered is 863-682-1430. Just before the break, we were talking about marriage and how Christ and... It's very good singing. Love, true love. <laughs> how, how there's this uh, connection, this this symbolism, this direct correlation between husbands and wives and our relationships and marriage, and Christ and His bride, the church, those who believe in Him and what He did 
as our justification for sin. And um, during the break, we, we were kind of talking back and forth a little bit, and uh, John brought up some some pretty interesting points. And I don't know if you want to run with what you were saying. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so in in Ephesians, is this mic on? Something's, yeah, there. Wow, look at there. Um, in Ephesians chapter five. Um, you know, you, you have some of these instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that, that talks about the relationship conflicts uh, of husbands and wives and, and what to do concerning an unfaithful partner and what to do when there's friction even in the unbelieving home when one one person is believing. And in other words, and one person is a, a Christian saved, born again, submitted their life to Jesus, and another person is not, you know, so let's say the husband uh, is unsaved and the wife is saved and what's supposed to happen there. So you have all these instructions, uh, but then there is sometimes the inevitability of divorce and there's a proper way and an improper way. And you ran down that line of, of talking, God gives us all of that picture of covenant and the breaking of covenant, uh, but the thread through all of that is the faithful one. The faithful one, who is Jesus. So obviously when he's on the cross, the faithful one is being punished for unfaithfulness. He took on the penalty of the unfaithful one, even though he was the faithful one. And and then you go over into Ephesians uh, chapter 5, Paul is is writing concerning uh, this relationship again of, of people, and he says in verse 21... Uh, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In verse 22, he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Um, we could camp out on some of these, and people will like certain things and not like certain things, but we won't do that because I want you to see the um, underlying principle here. Verse 23, uh, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. But check this out. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So you were talking about Christ giving himself for the bride, or God. It was God personally present in Christ Jesus. So God giving up Him his own self for the unfaithful bride. In this case, the northern kingdoms of Israel in the literal, natural sense, but the spiritual picture is to those, really to any of those that are unfaithful. Um, this is this is the statement that I think, George, you, you, you liked it. I was speaking with a, a minister friend over in the Tampa area uh, the other day, and and we were talking about marriage and marriage counseling and stuff, and he said, you know, I've begun to talk to people, the Lord helped me see covenant, marriage covenant, a little differently. And he said, when a husband and wife get married, when a Christian couple gets married, they tend to think, and, and maybe even unchristians as well, non-Christians as well, they tend to think that they're making a covenant between each other. The husband and the wife are making a covenant with each other. Well, there's a sense of truth there, but he said the, the, the real covenant should be that the husband makes a covenant with God concerning his wife, and the wife makes a covenant with God concerning her husband. The husband is saying, God, I will be faithful to her because you have been faithful to me. God, I will forgive her when she fails because you forgive me when I fail. The wife would be saying the same thing. God, I will be faithful to him. 
because you have been faithful to me. God, I will be forgiving to him because you have been forgiving to me. God, I will serve him. The husband would be saying the same thing. God, I will serve her. So, so our real covenant is with God, not with each other. That is the, the only way because God can't break his side. People can break their sides, but God can't break his side. He can't, he can't do it. It's impossible that he lie. And so uh, when he holds covenant, he's faithful. He holds covenant true to, to the end. And so I, I see that, and I, and I think of these scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5, um, in verse, picking it back up in, in verse 26. Well, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. Now, you related marriage all the way back to Adam and Eve, and Adam, with this woman that God gave, he sees her fall by, by deception, by being purely tricked and deceived, um, and, and he, so to speak, run, runs to her, her aid, this, this one that came out of him. This is right here related in, in verse 27, that he might present, I'm sorry, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water of, of the word. This covenant, um, I, I better get to the end of the, the chapter here. It goes on, says, says several other things, and which are really good, but for time's sake, I, I'll have to skip through. In verse 32, Paul writes, and he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's speaking about this natural marriage and this natural relationship, but he says, but I'm really talking about Christ and, and the church. It is interesting um, to me to see that the marriage relationship and the covenant that God cut with us, the best description is given by marriage. Paul even write, writes it about it here. It's like the closest way that I could really explain this is to, is to talk about natural marriage. And yet we look in our society and we see a nearly 55% divorce rate. We yeah. see a family structure that is constantly being attacked. Why? Because it is the closest thing to the picture of God and his creation, of Jesus, his son, and, and Jesus' bride, the church. It is the closest. If he can destroy that, he can, he can taint and mess up the image that people should have concerning the faithful God and his loved bride, his loved possession. There's so much more we could say. Uh, we have a caller that has call, called in, and uh, we will take a pause from this discussion and ask Miss Janet what she has on her mind. Miss Janet, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor John, I've been loving watching you on the Internet. Hey, every wonderful. Minute, every minute of it. And I'm loving having you in the tent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're, we're in tent services, right? Yeah. One more week in the tent. Oh, is that right? That's what I was wondering. You're when, uh, so next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, you'll be in in the in the main but, sanctuary. Back in the building, yes, ma'am. Uh, so this week uh, we will be in the tent. So March, what is that? The sixth, my anniversary. I better remember that date. March the sixth will be our last service in the tent. Uh, March the 13th, we'll be moving back inside the sanctuary. Our renovations will not be complete, but the room will be usable. Um, yeah. So have what you, about your, have what you, about your air? Oh, well, yeah, we'll get all that figured out. There's rental air systems available. So ha have yeah. you come in, in person yet? I haven't been able to do that, but I'm I'm watching you on Wednesday and and uh, Sunday, and sometimes I watch you twice because it's so <laughs> packed with information. 
and yeah. I love it. I love the the fact that uh, it's a it's not a mega church. It's free enough so that when the spirit, I love it when you just let the spirit flow. Wow! You know, Praise you, God. you follow. If the spirit wants you to, do, even though you might have a plan or an idea which way you want to go, you you know you veer off to do what the spirit's telling you to do, and I just love it. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, in, uh, well, I, the word just left me, but uh, we we want to, we try to, we uh, endeavor. That's the word. We definitely endeavor to follow the the leading of the Holy Spirit in in the services. Um, so, uh, folks, if you're wondering what Miss Janet is talking about, on our website, believersfellowship.com, you can go there and click on the link that says "Watch Live," watch the services live, uh, or even archived. You can find them on Facebook. You can also find us on on YouTube. Miss Janet, I'm really glad you you watch the services. I hope I get the chance to to meet you in person. Um, can you do me a favor, Miss Janet, when we go on to this break? Um, sure. Mr. Eric will come on the phone with you and uh, and just write down. Actually, he'll be busy during the break pushing some buttons. I'm going to try to come on the phone with you. I'll only have two minutes, but I'm going to get your name and um, your your phone number. Uh, and we would just want to send you a little little gift of appreciation. We, um, your daddy has it. Oh, my daddy has it. Okay. I had the best conversation with him about three weeks ago. We must have talked for two hours. Oh my my. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will I will I will check with him. Miss Janet, yeah. we have to take a break. I am okay. uh, really glad you called in. I'm really glad you watch us online. Thank you for letting me know that and I I hope to meet you in, in person sometime soon. Okay, and uh, you just keep on keeping on. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay. Well, folks, you're listening to Ask the Preacher and uh you can call in with a question or comment if you have that. 863-682 1430 863-682-1430. We'll be back in two and a half minutes. And now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher. Heard every Friday from 5 until 6 here on Talk Radio 96.7. It's brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Here's John and George. Well, I'm uh, glad to be back in the studio today. And George, it's been it's been a, a great day with you here. And Thank um you. Goes by too quick. I'll tell you what. It does every every uh, every time every time. So just about eight minutes left with you folks, and uh, we've been talking about marriage the last little bit, but uh, really where we began the conversation had to do with laying down our our life, and and mm-hmm. we've discussed the the ideas of. And let me just say it this way: What does it mean to lay down your life? Well, in a in a very light, simple way, it means to not be selfish to esteem the needs of others greater than the needs of, of yourself. Jesus esteemed the need of man greater than, than his, his own, sort of, you could look at it that way. Uh, a husband should, should esteem the needs of his wife greater than his own needs, but vice versa. The wife should esteem the needs of the husband uh, greater than her own, just like us as the bride of Christ should esteem the desires, the will of Christ greater than our own will. See, it works both ways. Uh, and that is the type of thing that people often don't really want to do. We, we have this idea that it actually costs us something, but in reality, it's to our advantage to be of that type of nature, to be of the giving nature. Um, more blessed are they that give than receive. Uh, so to be of that kind of mind, to be of the, the I'm going to give myself away, 
I'm going to give myself to mankind. I'm going to give myself uh, to the to the purposes of God. I'm going to lay my life down rather than try to protect and save my own skin, try to protect and save my own well-being. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to be like Christ and give of myself. Uh, and, and in the marriage relationship, it's husbands doing that to wives. That's why you, you, I, I started with that, that verse 21 uh, of Ephesians chapter 5, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then verse 22 it gets specific. Wives, submit yourselves under your husbands. You want to tell your joke just that you had a second ago? Or do you I was just going to say, that, that's, that's the only uh, chapter, uh, only the verse only in the verse. Bible that I let my wife read. I've I've, uh, <laughs> I've removed all the other pages. You know, I figure if she can just get that one right, then we can move on to the rest. I love you, honey. Please don't hurt me. But no, it's, so it, it you know, it, it's kind of this reverse thing, though, even in that chapter, you know, okay, so it starts, wives, Submit unto your husbands, right? And, and and people like to harp on that one for some reason. But I think we as men oftentimes forget that it's us who are the head of the house. Mm-hmm. Our wives typically won't, typically, not, not always, typically they won't fulfill their obligation if we're not fulfilling ours. Right. And, you know, we are supposed to be submissive to Christ, right? So that's the example. Men... Just like you're submissive to Christ, that's how she's supposed to be submissive to you. So if you're not doing the things with, and this is one of the lessons I've had to learn, you know, I'm, I'm a spring chicken, I've only been married for 11 years now, but one of the things that was a harsh reality for me to get over my pride on was, you know, these complaints that I might have had about my wife weren't really about her, they were about me. Mm-hmm. You know, God challenged me one time, okay, so you want intimacy, be intimate with me. Wow. Spend time with me. When your wife starts seeing you being a good bride to me, that's the example she'll follow. And my wife's a fantastic wife, might I add. But my issues with her were me. And I was projecting my failures onto her. And and so the, the reality, and, and this is kind of a challenge to all of the husbands out there, if you're unhappy with what's going on, you really got to check yourself and make sure yeah. that as I have learned the, the three things that, that men typically want in marriage, we want to be flattered. We want to be fed. We want to be taken care of and, and we want to have intimacy. Well, those are three things that God is constantly challenging his church to have with us to have with him. He wants him to receive the praise. He wants to be glorified. He wants us to be concerned with his kingdom, not our own, and worrying about what we're going to eat or drink, because he'll take care of it all. See, and, so there it is again, a, a perfect picture of Christ and his church, or of God and, and his his love. Uh, Song of Solomon is an amazing book. It's, it's actually somewhat, you might consider to be actually somewhat risque, because it's just uh, so transparent in its language. It's a very passionate love that God desires to have with us and that he desires us to have with him. Um, and, and when we want that, when we desire that in our natural being, it's, it's you said it very well, when the wife sees me, when my wife sees me running with passion after God, it's attractive. She sees order. She sees authority. In the proper place, she sees submission, 
If I am the head of the house, as you mentioned, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. If the husband is the head of the house, the head of the wife, we should be, we could call that the chief, right? We're the chief. We should be the chief submitter. We should be the chief giver. We should be the the chief surrenderer. We should be uh, the chief sacrificer. We should leave. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry. We should lead in those measures. And when we lead in those measures of having it right with Christ first, mm-hmm. the wife will follow suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we see just as much marriage trouble in the church as you see outside the church. But God has given the picture for us as to how to live life um, with satisfaction, to have a satisfying marriage. Um, that doesn't mean you're happy every day, but overall, you're like, I'm God, you have blessed me. I'm satisfied with it. The picture is in the Word of yep. God and is given to us by Christ himself. And, and here's my final challenge of the day here is uh, just like in Genesis, going all the way back, full circle here, the, the Nakash tempted, seduced the woman who then went to the man. That is why, specifically in the church, we have so many issues. We in the church, we, we, we look to women to be leadership indirectly. We as men need to take the lead. And we can do it. Fellas, if you're listening, you can do it. You are strong in Christ. That is what it uh, means to be like him. He is strength. He is strong, yet he's uh, selfless. So you guys can do it. You start, know what? start being the model. I am not asking my wife where she wants to go to dinner tonight. I'm telling her where Atta we're boy. going. boy. <laughs> That's how you do it. Folks, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. This is John Freedom, the pastor at Believers <laughs> Fellowship Church. And uh, George Locke has been filling in for the last month and here again today. George, thank you so very much, and I hope you'll stick with us for a, a long time to come. I, I want to invite you to join us at Believers Fellowship. We're up on the north side of town. The easiest way to find us is online. Go to believersfellowship.com. One more time, Believers fellowship.com. See you next week.